Welcome to HorrorFatal.com, almost live, where sarcasm goes to the movies and snark watches TV, with your hosts, the Horror Fatal and the Diva Mummy. Welcome to HorrorFatal.com, almost live. I'm your host, the Horror Fatal, bringing you this week's horror news, reviews, recaps, and information. I ask that you do me a favor. Please like, subscribe, and give the cast a rating at iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher, or whatever platform you might be listening to this podcast on. Today's cast is going to be slightly different, you guys. There won't be a formal movie review this week, but we will analyze why Dr. Sleep didn't do well at the box office I know it's a lot of Monday morning quarterbacking going on, and this will be another one. (laughs) Um, And this is really important. We will have our first exclusive interview. You heard me, guys. We got the pleasure to have a conversation with Sydney Fleischman, the executive producer of HBO's Room 104. That's coming up in TV Watching. Carry on my wayward son There'll be peace when you are done Lay your weary head to rest Don't you cry no more And that is the lovely (laughs) Nostalgic Now theme song from Supernatural And they are going to lead off our horror news Well, as we all know, Supernatural is coming to an end in 2020. And after 15 seasons, 15 seasons, you guys, we're going to have to say goodbye to Jensen and Jarrett on May 18th, 2020. Hopefully there'll be no tears, (laughs) but I've been steadily watching the season and it's really good. They're, um, I don't want to spoil you, but. I am. <laughs> They've been wrapping up all the loose ends and getting rid of characters in a way where we're getting the end of their storylines. And we had to say goodbye to Rowena a couple of episodes ago. That was really sad because, you know, she became that villain that we love to hate. And then she became like kind of a mom figure to them along the way. So, say la vie to our favorite redheaded witch. And we'll be sailing, bon voyaging the entire series once again on May eighteenth, twenty twenty. So we got we got a little we got a little piece. We got some more with our little hot boys. Um, the next thing I want to talk about is Scream Five. Yes, 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 yes. Scream Five, according to Bloody Disgusting, who had the information first. It's been confirmed there will be a Scream 5. It is in works at Spyglass. Um, There are no details on who's going to write or direct this next film. And, you know, this franchise was started by the late great Wes Craven and writer Kevin Williamson. And there's also no information on there if the, any of the old cast is going to join. Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox, David Arquette. Um, or if any of them are coming back. I really can't tell you anything that any of them are doing. 
to be quite honest, and that's no tea nor shade. It's just kind of truthful. Well, David Arquette was just in um, an episode of Shudder, one of my favorite episodes of Shudder. I think it was called um, What's Going On in Sleepy Holler. Remember, I tried to do that accent, which should have been really easy for me, being that I'm Southern. But anyway, back to business at hand. Um, you know, these four movies were huge box office hits. They made over $600 million plus for their studios. And then it spun off a TV series, which we did a cast on earlier because they did something really cool for this uh, third and probably final season. When it switched to VH1, they did three nights of it back to back and got it out of the way and I kind of appreciated it I thought that was a very clever way of kind of doing binge streaming on tv that was kind of smart I think I don't (laughs) I didn't go back and check the numbers but I think it did pretty good but watch this space for more information on scream 5 we don't know whether it's going to be a sequel prequel what happened next continuation or whatever I really liked um scream 4 it turned out to be kind of one of my favorites in that franchise like i like the first one i like the third one and i like the fourth one the second one where they're off at college got a little iffy even though i really liked laurie metcalf as the homicidal crazy mom that she was because laurie metcalf is like you know she's kind of the bee's knees (laughs) um and moving on, Regina Hall has signed on to executive produce and star in a show called Master for Amazon Studios. Girls Trip, She Regina Hall is the star of Girls Trip and Black Monday. She's going to serve as, like I said, the executive producer as well as star in Master, which will be an occult drama written and directed by Miramama Di- Miriana, sorry, Diablo for Amazon Studios. The film, I don't know why they're calling it a film. Is it gonna, I, th- I thought it was gonna be a TV show, but anyway, the film is gonna follow two African Americans. St- st- I gotta start over. <laughs> I'm tie tongue tonight. The film will follow two African American women at a predominantly white college in Massachusetts. One head of students, aka master, and one a freshman will start to experience activities ingrained in the history of the school. Hall will play Gail Bishop, the queer black headmaster of the Bellevue House at Ancaster, a liberal arts school outside of Boston. She must manage her campus as instances of racism cause tensions while students and faculty are haunted by sinister supernatural forces. That's a really, really, really interesting plot twist and twist on top of a twist it's the character sounds really interesting being a gay queer black headmaster that'll be a whole lot of different um things to explore there she'll be at a liberal arts college outside of boston and there'll be racial tensions and haunted supernatural forces that's going to be it, it's it's sounding a little bit like what they've done, what Netflix has done with Sabrina a little bit to me. Maybe it's just me. Let me know what you think. It sounds really interesting. Um, I'm always interested in a haunted anything. I love a good ghost story. So and no matter where you are in, in a country, 
all college campuses <laughs> have their ghost stories and they're all a little creepy, especially ones that were started, um, you know, have the, that 1800 history. I have to tell y'all the tale about my undergrad year at UA, University of Alabama in Tuscaloosa, <laughs> Roll Tide, where we had this whole uh, 13th floor, 14th floor ghost and I cannot remember her name right now <laughs> it's escaping me but trust me it's a tale to be had and let me just tell y'all I lived on that floor and on Halloween night I was I got ghost I peaced out and went and stayed elsewhere <laughs> just because of the story anyway master is slated to begin production in early 2020 in New York I'm really kind of interested in that. That sounds really good if you ask me. There is an elevator. In the elevator, you press the button to the floor with no name. Behind those doors, there's a life you always dreamt of. Here. This weekend, you will be our guests. Here, anything and everything is possible. No service. It's not everything is possible. Good evening. I'm Mr. Rurik. Let me officially welcome you to Fantasy Island. Fantasy Island! I'm curious how this all works. What if your fantasy involves a person from your life? Holograms. Like Tupac. What if it's somebody who died? Tupac. So, what's your fantasy? Revenge on a childhood bully. Your life is about to change. I hope you're ready. That is a really good hologram. There is only one fantasy per guest. And you must see your fantasy through. It brought her back to life. No matter what. Oh my god. That's really her. Work. This is not what I meant. What the hell is this place? People die here. <laughs> the island's twisting what we asked for. <laughs> brought here to have our own fantasies. I want it. I got it. I want it. We were brought here to be a part of something else. I got it. I want it. I got it. I'm your friend. I've always wanted to hear you say that. That was the trailer for the upcoming Fantasy Island. Yeah, they sneaked and tacked, uh, sneaked and tacked us on Monday. I guess they thought it was a really good time because everybody was off um, for Veterans Day. Everybody but me. I was working. Not really. <laughs> but um, they released the trailer for Fantasy Island, and it's from our friends at Plum House. 
In Blumhouse's new spin on Fantasy Island, the ignomatic Mr. Rourke makes the secret dreams of his lucky guests come true at a luxurious but remote tropical resort. But when the fantasies turn into nightmares, the guests have to solve the island's mystery in order to escape with their lives. The cast for this includes Michael Pena, Maggie Q, Lucy Hale, Austin Stowall, Portia Doubleday, Jimmy O. Yang, Ryan Henson, so I'm, if you know he's there, it'll be comic relief. And Michael Rucker. Um, it's directed by Jeff Wetlow and also written by Jeff Wetlow, Chris Roach, and Jillian Jacobs. And it's produced by Jason Blom and Mark Tobaroff. And it is set to hit theaters February 14, 2020. Yeah, nothing like a homicidal date movie. They're getting really good at this. They did happy... Um, Death Day to You 2 um, and released it also this year on February 14th. This looks pretty good and entertaining enough and I gotta admit I'm old but I'm not quite Fantasy Island old. Like I remember uh, the show. Don't get me wrong. I remember the show in pretty vivid details. I Well I shouldn't say vivid. That's, that's a overuse of the word. I remember the show, put it that way, but I don't remember actually as a kid sitting and just watching that show. It, cause from what I remember, aside from what's his name, the character's name is like Tattoo, um, the French guy, Hervé Valanche. I cannot French, man. Um, and the, the very sexy older dude, what's his name, Ricardo Montalban? I remember those characters and I, I get the gist of it where, where people would come to the island and they would be met by Mr. Rourke and Tattoo and I remember the plane to plane and all that stuff but if I recall I think it was like sexy flexy <laughs> romantic kind of things that went down on the island like you know you'd have probably have I think you'd have like a single 40 something come into the island and, and never find in love until then you know she'd find Mr. Wright or something I don't really remember um again like I said I don't know if I sat down and watched like a, a whole episode I probably was like <laughs> watching like My Little Pony or some some shit like that anyway but was Mr. Rock a witch <laughs> a warlock or whatever was the island like possessed what the hell um so I'm kind of into the idea of this one because Michael Pena plays Mr. Rourke in this and he has, you know, he's Michael Pena. So you see him and you're like, oh, what a nice guy. But it's something very sinister. You <laughs> know, his delivery of all your dreams come true. So it's going to be good because we'll, maybe they'll kind of give us a little idea what this fantasy island is instead of the other way. Um, and per the huge, you can see the trailer in its entirety at horfatel.com and I might put it up on my Instagram. I haven't decided yet whether I'm going to go to the trouble. <laughs> anyway, let's get to something that's a little painful.
that is the theme music from the original The Shining. There's um, theme music for Dr. Sleep too, but I didn't bother to download it. Um, let's see. I think at last tally, Dr. Sleep had made, I want to say something around... million um, during its opening weekend. And let's see. I want to make sure I'm accurate because I I always want to give you guys accurate information. Let's see. Top at the box office. Yeah. The weekend gross was $14.1 million and the total gross so far is $14.1 million in one week's release and you know it's still poised to 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 make like a hundred million globally at the box office but it's probably gonna lose about 20 million as well this comes because of the grand underperformance for the wonder warner warner brothers lab production um oh man it it was it's just kind of painful to do this. Um, according to Deadline, you know, <laughs> it, by comparison to the reboot of Stephen King's Pet Cemetery, you know, that made about a hundred and twelve million worldwide back in you know early this year in spring, I think it started off with you know twenty one million dollar production cost or whatever. And the, you know, the producers and stuff are said to be baffled and saddened by, you know, how such a well-read reviewed, a well-reviewed film, which had a 74% fresh rate and a good audience polled the movie with, uh, it had a, like a B plus from Cinescore and four stars and 82% at Post Talk, how it just failed at the doc, the box office the way it did. Um, But, you know, they'll still clear you know like 149 million in revenues globally and then you know when they start to bring it on tv and stream it and all that good stuff it'll still have made money but it wasn't the the giant i think that they were expecting from stephen king's it and you know and i was reading a lot of people's takes on why they thought you know they were like it was late breaking it had an un, you know eventful rollout, and they did the one thing that I do really agree with that they didn't tease it at Comic Con. That that's those are your people, folks. Those are your clans. That's us. That's that's where we congregate and nerd out and prepare, you know, for the TV shows we're gonna watch, the films we have to see. That was really dumb. I don't know what the hell Warner Brothers was thinking. <laughs> always, always preview. I mean, get a small haul, whatever. You know, put it on a, a a drive and put it in a gift bag or something. Always, always tease your film at Comic Con if it's directed to to the horror community. What a dumb move. Anyway. Some people were saying the two and a half hour running time was a problem. <laughs> no, no. 
and this is coming from a, a chick. I don't like movies over to I don't have an attention span anymore. I've, I've gotten old. I'm like, I want to, I want to leave now. But if your movie's well crafted, you don't know, you don't remember the time. And this did not suffer from that. I didn't look at the, the running time and go, Oh yo, I don't want to see it. The shining's really long as was it, you know, so, that's not it we'll sit in and we'll watch a four-hour marvel movie come on if it entertains us we will watch it so that's not it i have a i really do think it didn't do well because here's here's the the catch a lot of people didn't know what the hell dr sleep was i think they didn't do a good job of letting people know that this is the sequel to the shiny not everybody is like a bona fide Stephen King fan I am a fan um but I don't read everything he writes you know I was aware of Dr. Sleep because I'm a huge fan of the shiny so yeah of course I knew it I still haven't I haven't read the book (laughs) I, I read the shining but I haven't read this book um and like I said on the previous cast you know he was you know Mike Flanagan was trying to bridge the two and give it a proper sequel however no not a whole lot of people like I said if they're just casual Stephen King fans like they know the name you know whatever oh he wrote blah 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 whatever they if they were not aware of what doctor they did call it Stephen King's Dr. Sleep yeah but what the hell is that (laughs) You have to let the, you know, even the casual audience know that this is the sequel to The Shining. Casual horror fans like The Shining and would have been interested in seeing the movie, but they had no freaking clue that this was the follow-up. I don't know whose idea it was not to make that clear. I think that was, I really do think that was the problem. Um, And like, like I said earlier, the marketing you didn't do enough to the horror community but like i said you still have to advertise to people that aren't horror horror you know nerds and dorks like we are you know um my mom horror fan she watches horror movies but she's not a nerd about it like i am (laughs) she had no idea what the hell i was talking about i was like yeah i'm gonna go see dr sleep she's like what is that (laughs) You know, and there were a lot of people that have watched The Shine and fans of that movie that had no idea that Dr. Sleep was a follow-up. To me, that's the reason why it didn't do well. Um, I already griped last week that I don't know how the hell they got an R rating. <laughs> Ooh. But again, I'll refer you to the proper review at harfatel.com. I'm not going to go in on it anymore. I did last cast and I told you my thoughts on it. Again, a very beautiful film. But I think it'll 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 be fine. It, it, um, to Mike Flanagan, it'll be fine. Trust me. Um, like I said, it needs a second and a third. And, and I think as time goes on, it'll be way more appreciated than it is now. Like... I always tell people, remember Shawshank Redemption, also Stephen King, when it came out, nobody saw it. <laughs> Everybody was like, what the hell is this? Nobody saw it, nobody cared. 
But once it came out on DVD, well, was it DVD in? I'm old, so it probably was VHS. It may have been DVD. I don't remember. It was a long time ago. I think I was in college, maybe, when that movie came Anyway, but when it came out, came out, you know, on rental, whatever way we got it, and TBS picked, picked it up and played it forever on TV, it's one of those classics that people really enjoy and really like. So I have a feeling that Dr. Sleep will will come to that same fate. Um, maybe it'll do better this weekend. Because maybe Midway came out Veterans Day and people were feeling nostalgic about war, perhaps. I was. I did a whole post on my granddad on my Instagram. So that's our quarterbacking about why Dr. Sleep didn't do as well as it should have. I don't think you can handle the wine I drink. Really? (laughs) Welcome you to our little podcast, by the way, and tell you thank you for doing this interview with us today. Um, I know this is the third season of the series, and I know you're probably tired of answering this question, but can you just give us a little bit of information on how Room 104 got started, how it came together as an idea? Yeah, I I never get tired of it. Um, (laughs) Room 104, it's an idea that Mark and Jay Duplass have had for for a really long time. I think Mark says that they've been talking about it for probably 10 years before we really started developing it. Um, and at the time that when they really started, when they first started thinking about it, anthologies weren't really a thing, weren't really things that people wanted to be making. Um, and then about three years ago, three and a half years ago, um, I guess almost four years ago, uh, Mark was like, now is the time, now is the time to, to pounce on this idea. And so they had had just a ton of different episodes bouncing around in their heads. Um, and we we just started sitting down and talking about all the possibilities and the different directions the show could go in. Um, and it really just took off from there. So it's, it's one of those things, one of those shows that can kind of be whatever it wants to be. And we've really mm-hmm. had, a, had a super fun time figuring all of that out. Okay. Yeah, I, I, it, it does change genres um throughout the seasons which is a really good thing it keeps us audience members like watching because <laughs> you want to know what's yeah. going to happen next the first episode of the season the plot which starred um luke wilson i have to ask if that episode was sort of the origin story for the hotel itself or did we just read too much into that narrative We've definitely talked about it being the origin story, but I think we were hesitant to say too much about what we really think of the room and what we really think of its its origin and how it came to be. But it's definitely part of the room's origin story. Ah, so we read it right. <laughs> we read the sign right. <laughs> there have been some significant amount of episodes this season, well, all the seasons, where there's these really strong female characters and the storylines. Um, especially from the horror perspective, the final girl, you know, is such a big element in our community. 
Mm-hmm. That's intentional, and we're reading that correct, right? And that feeling that that's on purpose. Oh, definitely. I mean, a, a big part of the, our creative conversation every time we, we start talking about writing episodes is just how we can fit as many different types of people and just different perspectives in, in the room. And a, and a lot of that is making sure it feels really um sort of gender balanced and we're exploring different things with that and not not sticking with the same tropes but also playing up tropes that we've seen before um so that's definitely a big part of it to make sure that it it feels sort of well-rounded and like we're getting stories from from as many different perspectives as we can okay let's talk about this episode that's coming up that will be aired friday night shift the concept yeah. of Night Shift had the vibes of Bengali. Are you familiar with that show? It's like a um, variety show for horror. Kind of yes, like a virus movie, Macabre. Yeah. Yeah. Through through the writer, the co-writer and director of this episode, Ben Kaselki, I have learned a lot about uh, <laughs> this specific type of, of horror show and this horror culture. Um, my husband is a big horror fan, and also through him, I've learned a lot about the the fact that horror can mean so many different things, mm-hmm. um, and it can be terrifying, and and it can mean sort of slow burn and tension. And so this this episode is definitely an ode to that that specific type of horror. Yeah, the the show that they do within the show it definitely had mm-hmm. that vibe. It had it, it had that vibe of that show. Last week's episode, Prank Call, was really dark. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there, and it mm-hmm. had that whole, that horrifying ending, and you know there was it was really heavy, and there was no levity. Um, this week, Night Shift is you know it's a classic horror narrative, but not quite as dark, and it actually has a happy ending. <laughs> um, <laughs> is that on purpose when you're choosing the episode? You get really dark, and then maybe have something lighter the next um, week. Is that a, on purpose? Yeah. When we we shoot the episodes in in an order that's um, that's convenient for production, and then once we've shot them all, we go through and we figure out the order that we want to air them in, and that is definitely something that we take into consideration. Of okay, we've we've sort of laid it on people heavy this week. Let's give them something a little bit lighter. Let's really play with the expectations. And I think a fun thing for us is that the the sort of drama the quote-unquote drama episode the one that we wouldn't necessarily categorize as a horror episode is pretty terrifying and then the episode the following episode that is is quote-unquote horror is a little scary at some point a little creepy but is really a comedy and is really this this sort of buddy story um and so we do we have a lot of fun playing with those things and making sure that we're not giving audiences the same thing two weeks in a row and really letting it, letting it be a completely new experience each week. Awesome. Um, so you already mentioned something that I was going to ask. <laughs> Some of my yeah. favorite episodes actually like Johnny and Diani and drywall guys mm-hmm. and last year, the woman in a the wall, they, they weren't horror themed at all, but they were one of my favorite ones because they were very, they had these interesting point of views and narratives. Have you gotten more kudos for those episodes, those quirky type of episodes than you have for the horror supernatural? 
because I can see that actually happening. <laughs> we we get it. Sort of depends on it. Depends on the person. Depends on the audience. Um, I think one thing that we really love about the show is that it's not for any sort of specific audience. It's not just for horror fans or just for fans of documentaries because we have that documentary episode this year. Um, yeah. It's really this it's really well done episode, by the way. Oh, thank you, thank you. That really means a lot. It was a, a very special episode to make. Um, but yeah, we don't we we sort of get different feedback from different people, which is really cool that it creates this really open space for people to watch. Um, and the ones where we do take risks, like the the documentary episode, it does get sort of it's its own special attention because it's so vastly different from everything else. Um, and it's really, it's very cool to see, to see the feedback for that kind of thing. I know that Mark and Jay, they primarily write most of the episodes. I, I know you're part of that process. How do you come up with your ideas? How, do you have, is there a process involved? Because, you know, like I said, the drywall guys and, and Johnny Gianni, they, they get a little different. And, you know, so how do you come up as a writer? That's always intriguing me to figure out how other writers totally. come up with their process. <laughs> yeah. Every every episode has its own sort of origin. Um, there are some episodes, like the episode this year, Itchy. Mark um, had an idea for that where it's a, a video diary of somebody with a rash. And that was the, the beginning of the idea. And it just sort of sprawled from there um and other times we'll have these creative meetings producers will get together and we'll just sit up in the attic in our office and and throw ideas at each other and one word will come out and we'll all get attached to that and then an episode will spark from that that kind of process um night shift is one where ben kaselke is such a fan of this type of of TV show and right. the, the nostalgia factor. Um, and so that was one we really we developed with him. So all of the episodes have such different um, different origins, which I think really helps us keep it so diverse and keeps us from repeating things we've done before. You've had Michael Shannon and the, the actor from Atlanta, um, was it Brian Tyree Henry on there? Have you had have you had a lot of other actors to just want to do an episode? Yeah, we've we've had a bunch of people where Mark will have met them at a a party or somewhere sort of random and just started talking and realized, oh, we are we're really like minded. We should do something together. Like Mahershala Ali um, last season was one of those people. They had been they met and been wanting to work together for a long time and Mark said well why don't I write this role for you um and so we do get a lot of just incredible talent that way people who want to explore something new try something different um and it's really I think it's it's really a win-win for us and the actors because they get to flex a different muscle like Rain Wilson in Mr. Mulvihill is a completely different role for him and then we we get to sort of reap the benefits of that because we get this incredible performer um, who just comes in and is so gung-ho to, to play with us. So it's really, it's very special. 
itchy, by the way. I wanted to tell you earlier that was like one of my favorite episodes as well. We talked about it. <laughs> we talked about it on the podcast. I kept telling them, I was yeah. like, "Gotta stick with it to the end." <laughs> that was yeah. That was interesting. <laughs> um, I don't want to. I don't want to give a spoiler, but can you give us just a little hint regarding next season? Uh, like you spoke to earlier, do you think there will be any plans to give us even a little bit more of hints to what actually Room 104 is? It would be um, a good time to do it. Fantasy Island's coming out. <laughs> what was that? This film, um, this horror version of Fantasy Island where we're finally going to kind of oh, figure oh. out what Fantasy Island is. <laughs> um, I don't know that we'll find out exactly what it is. But you, you'll continue to learn about what, what sort of the uh, the oddness is about the room. Okay. Well, that's all my questions because I knew we we had a, a finite amount of time, and I just want to thank you once again for talking to me. I so appreciate it. Yeah, it was great talking to you. Great questions. Thank you. Well, that's it. That is today's cast. And I ask you to follow me on Twitter at HorrorFatale and on Instagram at TheHorrorFatale. So that's us signing off. I hope you guys have a great weekend. Cheers, y'all, and sweet nightmares until next week. Tiffany's and bottles of bubbles Girls with tattoos who like getting in trouble Lashes and diamonds, ATM machines Buy myself all of my favorite things Been through some bad, I should be a savage Who would have thought it turned me to a savage Rather be tied up with calls and my strings Write my own checks like I write what I sing yeah. Stop watching